Did you ever have a nighttime or morning routine specifically around snacking? When I was growing up, I always had a bowl of cereal at some point throughout the day. I would either have it for breakfast or I'd have it as a nighttime snack. Maybe I went and played some basketball, come home, have a little cereal to unwind. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter what type of cereal it was. I was dousing it in milk. Cinnamon Toast Crunch covered in milk. Fruit Loops splashed with a puddle of milk. Crispix, Weedabix, Wheaties, whatever cereal it was. I was gallons of milk just pouring on this cereal. Okay, maybe not full gallons of milk. That would overflow and ruin the table and floor. But the bowl had a lot of milk in it. So I'm a big fan of milk. This is a roundabout way of saying it. Obviously, a big fan of milk of all types. Really. I'm an equal milk opportunist enthusiast, which is probably why I had such a great time chatting with Natalie Shea, a singer-songwriter whose latest album is called Milk, in no short part because of her love for the stuff. We're talking all about her songwriting process, what she's found successful in marketing her music, how she avoided very close, very close call with slime on a popular TV show. Uh, it sounds like a wonderful time all around. We're also chanting Taylor Swift, so any of my Swifties out there, you're going to want to stick around till the end because there's lots of good stuff inside. I'm Joey Held. This is Good People, Cool Things. And here's my conversation with Natalie Shea. To kick things off, can you give us your name and your elevator pitch, but also the type of elevator that we're riding on? I don't, I've never, sorry, I've never heard that um, term before. <laughs> oh, well, an elevator pitch is just like if you had like 20 seconds on an elevator with someone and oh, you were right. telling no, them I about yourself. You. Sorry, I've yeah. never heard that. Oh, nice. That's well, I'm, I'm teaching thing. you a new I'm term then. I like it. Yeah, I do. That's not really, I don't think people really say that here, but I'll try and make it a thing. <laughs> okay, like... your lift pitch, perhaps. I don't know if that's oh, also brilliant. said. Okay. <laughs> Got you. Okay, so. Hello, I'm Natalie Shea. I'm a indie pop sort of indie pop like singer songwriter guitarist artist from London in England and I've been doing this kind of as a job for 10 years now writing my songs and performing them and it's it's just like so much fun I love it and yeah <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the first song you heard that made you think like huh I really want to be a musician was there was there a song like that for you yeah it was kind of like um three it was three albums kind of um wasn't really a song but I guess the first song that got me into that whole thing was Love Story Taylor Swift obviously um I heard heard that and then I got the Fearless album but then it was kind of three artists at the same time for me it was it was Fearless Taylor Swift album it was Kate Nash and like her kind of songs um but my mum didn't let me listen to a lot of them because they had swear words in them so (laughs) (laughs) she only let me listen to the ones that didn't have swear words um and Miley Cyrus as well because that was like I was like 10 11 years old it was Taylor Swift Kate Nash was like me trying to be adult and then Miley Cyrus because obviously I was still watching Hannah Montana because I was like 10 and then she just did her like first solo thing like Hannah Montana movie came out and she did the artist thing for the first time and it was kind of the three I thought yeah they're all very inspiring and yeah I, I kind of think everything I do kind of comes back to those three like I kind of feel like yeah, that that they're the they're the three pillars of what I enjoy and what like I think is really inspiring and interesting. So yeah, 
it's a good it's a good trifecta thank you to have of, <laughs> of artists and i my parents did a similar thing where some of the albums they would buy me were the edited versions right but then some were were straight up explicit so i i guess i got i uh, i got a little taste of of cursing but yeah <laughs> every every once in a while one of those songs will come on you know just a random playlist or something from the edited version which were the ones i've listened to more mm-hmm. and then so i hear like i'm singing along and then a you know a barrage of swear words come in and i was like whoa i don't think <laughs> i ever realized that so it's like yeah. rediscovering it all over again <laughs> yeah i totally understand you now your latest release is the milk ep yes and so first off i have to ask because it seems like every time i go to a coffee shop i'm asked just a laundry list of milk options now <laughs> yeah uh, so do you have a favorite kind of milk um i don't i guess i'm always kind of just loyal to just normal cow's milk because i feel like i've always drunk a lot of milk it's been a particularly like i don't know i had more milk than most people i think and i drink a lot of milk it is my favorite drink all the different types of milk um <laughs> So, yeah that was part it's of a very inclusive milk drinker it was like. yeah i do i really love milk i've always drunk milk and i think it was it definitely was part of the reason why i picked the title so yeah as, as silly as that sounds <laughs> no i like it i drank milk a ton growing up as well probably through college right and yeah never broke a bone or anything and no me neither i've also never broken a bone after yeah, but then I stopped drinking it so regularly, and I've broken a couple of bones since then. So that might be why. I, yeah, milk, milk is—that's what I'm thinking. Like yeah. it's got to be interesting. The lack of milk in life. Yeah, so yeah. Trying to trying to get it back as a as an everyday item. Right. So we're close. We're getting close. We're getting mm. close. <laughs> but more specifically, I mean, we can chat milk all day. Probably not what people are here to <laughs> listen about. So, what do you hope that listeners get from the album? Um, so it's like milk was, I picked it because it's my favorite drink, but I also picked it because it's all kind of the whole thing's about, it's all about like growing up and sort of becoming a, an adult. And I think like there's a lyric that says milk teeth and that's where the actual title came from in the context of like milk teeth, like growing up. That's why the front cover is pictures of me as a child and stuff. Um, but yeah, so I kind of hope that people just learn a little bit about me. Every song on there is about a different thing that I, kind of learn between 2020 and 2021 about myself or just about music or just about kind of anything and they're all about something that happened within that little period of time very nice and with the you mentioned 2020 and 2021 which i think is anyone i mean especially musicians but really anyone that is in some sort of performing capacity or or career the pandemic yeah. limiting what we could do in terms of of mass like large scale events and so i think this is an interesting thing just to see like how did you stay busy during the pandemic like you probably i assume were not touring uh so what what were you doing to to keep that creativity flowing yeah so kind of i guess other than writing this ep <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I, actually i had an ep that i'd already like done that that came out in april 2020 which is when like it first became a thing here in the uk we had like our first lockdown so my ep first came out like right at the start of the lockdown and that kind of well it was a good time because it was like it kept me busy kept me focused on something and it was at the time when people were very like just trying to enjoy things online to just sort of keep distracted from how sad stuff was so i think it kind of worked at that time so i still 
had a lot to do with it. I did a lot of like Zoom like interviews and literally so much stuff and every everything was the same except I wasn't playing live. So I had my evenings, which was a bit weird because I never really had evenings before. <laughs> and that's like when I just sort of for the first time maybe sort of questioned like the things. I never really questioned things because I've been doing this since I was 13. And then suddenly for the first time ever, I didn't have these gigs um and stuff so yeah that that was quite interesting but I think in the daytime I just kind of focus on releasing that EP then writing the new stuff as well and also I really progressed the sort of business side of my project that year I set up a lot of zoom calls and I did a lot of the like trying to get a team together thing because I think I had the time to because I was performing so much um that's what I tried to do I just tried to keep it going so that like that it wasn't really a dip in like productivity just in a different sort of way I know there's a a saying in the book industry of, and I'm going to get the percentages wrong, but I think it's like writing, it's like 10% writing and 90% marketing. And I think with music, it's it's a very similar, you know, percentage and, and ratio. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. Who do you have on your team to help with that? And then we can get into some of, some of maybe the marketing that's worked and hasn't worked. Yeah, so I've got like, I have two managers. Um, they're like joint managers, both independent managers, kind of independently, but together. Um, then I have like a publicist that I've been working with since I first started and I've used her on pretty much everything. Um, and then I kind of have other people that I swap in and swap out depending on what like the release is. Like if the song's not really a radio song, there's no point really doing much radio work on it. Maybe it like will target better in different areas. So it kind of depends on the song a bit. But I've sort of built a little network of people I can dip in and out with, I think. But certain projects and it's nice to have the same people i just think because you kind of feel like they are a bit involved and understand and it, it's quite nice like it's it took a while to sort of i think it takes most people a long time like i didn't have management really until maybe a year ago and i was always looking but i think it comes when it comes when it's when it needs to come i think lots of people ask me like oh, how'd you get a manager and i just say to them because people used to say to me all the time like when it, it will happen when it needs to happen I used to be like, yeah, it should be happening now. But, <laughs> but I think that they were right. It was the right advice. It, it will happen when it needs to happen. I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that. And and especially with something like that, like trying to force it with someone who's maybe not the right fit or, you know, just exactly, because yeah. someone's like, you need this. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Probably doesn't definitely, end up definitely. well. Definitely. <laughs> Is there anything within we'll just put it under like the general marketing umbrella that has worked really well for you, like maybe even more than you were expecting, whether it's doing podcasts or, um, you know, you end up on like a curated Spotify list or something like that, uh, that, that has been successful for you. Yeah. We, I had this, I was on a TV show, like a sort of, um, it's like a children's live Saturday morning show for like the main children's channel in the uk and i was watching that since i was a kid and we had like they have like a live performance every week one just one because the rest of the show's got nothing to do with music it's just kind of like slime challenges and like children and cartoons <laughs> um but there's this bit like every week sort of a up and coming someone does a song so I, I did that last like about a year ago like a week ago um and that was quite that was quite good. I think a lot of people came in from that, and I was like, I I, really, I wanted to do it because I just grew up with the channel, and I was like, I'm kind of just want to do it for me, if anything, just to be like, yeah, it was on my favorite channel, but it worked really well. Like it, it yeah, brought a lot of people in. Really cool. <laughs> Did you say slime challenges is one of the components? Yeah, it's all kind of a bit like that. There's like there's a lot of slime, and everyone's 
covered in slime all the time. <laughs> so did you get slimed while you were performing? No, or after? but okay. other other artists had on other weeks, so I, I wasn't really sure like if that was going to happen to me because I'd watched a lot of the like the catch up shows from the weeks previously to kind of see what what I'd be doing because you kind of feature a little bit throughout the the show. But lucky they didn't ask me, but they asked other people that I knew that had done it. <laughs> so I don't know why they didn't, why I was spared. Were you a little disappointed? Or, although you said spared, so maybe maybe you were glad that it didn't happen. <laughs> Honestly, it was the same. It worked out like it was really last minute that we got, like, it got confirmed like three days before. And it was also the day that I was having my birthday party that night. So that I knew I had to get back from it. It was like a four and a like four or five hour drive up the country. And I had to get back that night to my house because I had like 50 friends coming. So like, if, if and it kind of if I had got slimed, I, it would have really like delayed the day. So I think <laughs> for that, so I'm glad that I could have just left and drove home, and I didn't have to like wash slime out my hair. That worked out very. Uh, it very did. Nicely, yeah. <laughs> I just I just went a really long way around that point, but yeah. <laughs> and from the the opposite side of things, is there anything uh, that you've done? from a marketing perspective that you thought, hey, maybe this is going to be great and then ended up not being so great. Yeah, I think you get them all the time, really. Like, it, it's really... I've learned, like, sort of with, with press and, like, sort of podcasts and stuff like that as well. It's, like, it's not always the ones with the most followers that bring the most in. Like, sometimes it's the smaller ones and sometimes it's none of them and sometimes it's both of them. Like, you really, really don't know. I think it... You can't just, like, I think... I don't know, other artists, I think, like, when they're, someone sends over, be like, oh, would you like to do an interview on here? Like, the first thing they'll do is look at, like, how big they have a following of and then decide off of that. But I think I've learned that that just literally makes no difference. And you should just kind of take every opportunity. I just try to say yes to absolutely everything. Like, as long as it looks good, and like, I obviously try everything and see if it's actually good. But, like, I don't, I'm not picky, like, oh, I've already got a podcast coming out this month, so I won't do one next month. Like, I know some people do that kind of stuff, but I think you just never know. Like, you never know what, who's listening, and why would you not? It's fun. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I love doing it. I love, I love talking to new people about stuff. It's fun. I agree. It is fun. Excellent work. Yeah, now, let's, let's go fun. back to the actual creative process inside of things. And I know, like, the most overwrought, question is like what's your process when creating a song i'm more curious about the the lyrical side of things because i when the the weird al movie came out recently which would highly recommend if you haven't seen it it's a very uh tongue-in-cheek biopic yeah i haven't the uh the new york times had done a, an article on him a few years ago and they kind of re-released that when that came out so i like i was reading it because i was thinking it was new and then i was like wait i do kind of remember this but they talked about how when he's writing a parody he has a full like spreadsheet of different uh like alternatives for for lines that he's parodying so he'll like kind of go through each of them and be like which one sounds better i uh, and i thought that was like a very you know elaborate sort of way to go through something but also like you know that's his process and that that's what works so when you're writing lyrics since they are at least in in the case of this most recent EP, since they are kind of autobiographical and about things that you've experienced, was that like a, a very laborious process to kind of get through, uh, or you know, get the lyrics exactly right? Or were did you find they just kind of flew, flow out, flowed, flowed, out, <laughs> uh, flowed out pretty pretty easily? Yeah, it's. I think it really depends on the song. Actually, I think it. I think 
actually the ones where I had the most to say like were like the ones with loads of lyrics like two sparks like that's got loads of words in it because I really knew what I wanted to say and what I wanted to write about that one was really easy because it just like I wasn't sort of scrambling for things to say because I had so much to say but the ones that more like are a bit less deep and are kind of like the singles or the like pop tracks that are like meant to be easy to sing along like New Way for example like that I think that took a bit longer because it's kind of like you had a rough I had a rough sort of what I wanted to write about but it wasn't so much like a therapy piece it was more just like writing a song that people can sing along to so those ones actually kind of take a bit longer because you've got to find the right the right line the most snappiest line like the catchiest line they're a bit little bit more like strategic writing whereas ones that like mean a bit more they normally a bit easier to write actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's i that's kind of backwards i guess from how i would have guessed it but i that makes sense when you when you yeah. like that and then when you, I guess particularly more for kind of the the uh, single sides of ones, because, you know, I think I've, I've heard artists say like, oh, yeah, we don't know when we've like written a hit or like we had no idea yeah. the song would be as big as it is. But I think sometimes, you know, like I think sometimes you hear a song and you're like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely like very catchy or like that's going to. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, going to be super. Like, I... Do you get that with your yeah. songs as well? We were like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. <laughs> Like, sometimes I haven't. Like, my biggest dream song was one I released that I didn't think was, like, that good. Like, I thought it was good, but I didn't think it was the best thing I ever put out. It did really well. And the one that I had kept that came out after, I was like, oh, this one's so much better than the last one. Like, look how well that one did. This one did even better than no one liked that one. So you never, like, I don't really know. But the one that I've got coming out in January, I think it's, like, the, the best thing I've ever done. So at the moment, I'm, like, putting everything into this one. So I'm like, I think this is the best one. But you know what? It could come out and no one could like it. And I could be wrong again. <laughs> I think you don't really know. But I think you have an you have an opinion. But I think sometimes it it can be wrong, I think, yeah. But to say you don't know when you've written a hit, like I feel like you wouldn't put it out if you didn't think it was a hit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that, I mean that's something I really enjoy about music and i guess you could you could argue that movies and tv shows are kind of like it too but i think there's just like i'm still discovering songs from you know 40 to 70 years ago sometimes and yeah it's like you never know when someone's going to come across it too like you could yeah have a nice little you know release party but then it's not like it disappears for forever and and i think yeah, that's yeah. The, the cool thing where it's like hey this song or especially if it's like this song came out 20 years ago and it's like exactly how i feel right now and yeah I think that's yeah that's cool musicians are all time travelers i think secretly do you think i don't know maybe it's just that life is very cyclical <laughs> no, that that's probably sense. more <laughs> no i really like that that was really interesting i like that excellent feel free to use it as a lyric someday about yeah time, time traveling musicians <laughs> No, it makes total sense. I get it. It's the plot of a terrible D movie, maybe. But um, <laughs> something else I always enjoy asking, and as someone who is who has played gigs, I think we know not all gigs are created equal, and sometimes you have a fantastic show. But I think it's more interesting to talk about the less fantastic ones. So, what is your worst gig? <laughs> um. Oh, it was with a promoter that I knew was a terrible promoter. I don't really know why I did it. I guess just like because it was back at the start when I knew that. Well, I guess I was just looking for opportunity to play, and I knew that like stay away from them. But I was like, oh, how bad can it be? Like, like it doesn't matter if they're terrible. All I have to do is play a show. But it was just so awful the whole day. Like they didn't have a drum stool when they said they did. So oh, like, no. 
it was just oh just my drummer was drumming from like a chair like with arms on it and it was just a really like nothing was working everyone was late we couldn't get in the building for ages like it was just so messy and because the whole day was just so messy everything was just terrible and I just thought it was a really sort of weird vibe but then we we still enjoyed it because we all we did for like a year was just laugh about it and tell everyone about it and tell everyone don't work with that promoter so it was it still was funny (laughs) but yeah that was definitely the worst gig i'm picturing trying to drum with with arms like in your way that's that's so rough (laughs) literally (laughs) well hopefully those those at least in all future shows there's at least a drum stool at the very least hopefully yeah it it was the only time okay honestly it was the only one every other one the hundreds that we've done we've had all the stuff <laughs> that's a pretty good success rate then not too bad <laughs> yeah it's pretty good if i haven't jinxed it i'm gonna touch some wood now oh, i know yes wood. yeah, yeah if, if your I next 10 it. shows are um are all disasters please don't blame me <laughs> i won't i won't <laughs> another question i always like to ask is a question you wish you were asked more frequently and i think you were pleasantly surprised at how good of a question you came up with here, which is what's your general mindset in staying motivated in the creative industry? Yay. Okay. I don't really have an actual answer, but it's a good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I think it's something, I think like when people, um, what I've learned is I've done, sorry, I'm waffling. I'm trying to get to where I'm going to start here. What I've learned through doing music is, is that it's more than anything at all, really. It's mostly about motivation. Like it kind of really is. Every aspect comes down to motivation. Like, okay, it's like how good music do you make? Well, how much motivation do you have to make the best quality thing you can do? Like, how much motivation do you have to get a team? How much motivation do you have to, like, even if you're getting rejected from stuff every day? Because it's like, all you do is send things out and maybe you get one acceptance and then, like, nine rejections, like, every day. (laughs) And you have to just sort of go, okay, well, that doesn't matter. And then, like, focus on the positive thing, even though it's, like, every day. Like, you can't, you can't be... You can't get swayed by rejection. You can't get swayed by how difficult it is, how like little money there is in it for a very long time and how like there's so many sharks and how it's just kind of like Instagram and social media and having to do all the stuff that like destroys you mentally sometimes. It's like, I think there's people underestimate how much strength there is in sort of artists or just kind of anyone doing anything that like that they want to build themselves in any sort of industry, really, I think. Um, I think yeah I think people underestimate it I guess I get a lot of comments sometimes and it bothers me like when people sort of say like oh all you do is sing or like (laughs) I like my friends from my old schools who don't really like know that I'm doing this seriously and they just kind of go oh you do sing it's easy for you and I think I think it's kind of because it's not really spoken about I think that's why a lot of people quit or duck out of it because they feel like they're not strong enough because they're alone or they're not cut out for it but I think if people sort of spoke about it a bit more then people wouldn't feel so alone on that or feel like that was like they didn't have something because you know you need to support each other and I'm trying to sort of talk more about this with my friends that are also artists or like actors or people that are just doing something or like starting a brand or a business or something I think you've got to keep talking about it because it just it can be really lonely doing your little thing, you know? <laughs> Sorry, I feel like I just totally waffled in a big tan- tangent. But, no, no, no. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's all makes sense and are good points. And I, to the, the comments of like, you only sing, I play in a band and we recorded last weekend. So over 
well, by the time this right. episode comes out, it won't be last weekend, but we recently recorded and I had to do uh, harmonizing vocals on just one song. It was like 14 words total. Right. And I I was like, my vocal cords by the end, I was just like, how do people do this for entire songs? Like, <laughs> it's it's such a, a taxing process. And then oh, yeah, to do that sure. like night after night, it's it's very impressive. Yeah, it's it's a muscle ultimately. Like like it's like doing sport. It's a it's a little muscle. It, you've got to keep it trained. You've got to keep it exercising. You've got to build resilience. Like you can't you can't just decide one day to sing and be like, oh, all you do is sing. Like it's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're, we're educating you have to people. Like lots yeah. of choices and like yeah, exactly. Like lots of choices and sort of things and health things throughout your life, you know. I do anyway, like you know <laughs> yeah you can't eat like a, a five layer bean burrito right before you're about to sing like that's, <laughs> well I, I, maybe people can exactly. i don't know but i would guess most people that's probably not gonna sit well <laughs> no it's not and you're also so kind of supposed to stay, stay away from dairy because singing's like i've got a big week of recording i have to totally sort of stay away from dairy because it coached your vocal cords like little things like that being careful not to shout like even if you're just hanging out with friends or going to a concert like you can't you have to think all the time that like, I'm a singer. I have to take care of my voice. Like it's a whole thing. So do you, is that when you bring in the non cow's milk? Yeah. When it's, normally, when it's yeah. recording time. Okay. It's <laughs> <That's> nice. <laughs> I saw, uh, what was the, it was like, not, I feel like it was a different kind. It wasn't like almond or cashew or walnut milk, but it was some other, was it pecan milk, maybe? I don't know. Something wow. I had never seen before. And I was just like, well, I I kind of want to try it. But wow, I was, I I was in a hurry, that. so I walked by. So <laughs> oh, <maybe>. no. <laughs> it might just be out here in Texas. Texas is a very big pecan state. Uh, so Where are possible. you in Texas? I'm in Austin. <laughs> oh, I'm going to Austin in March. Oh, nice. Are you uh, for South By or are you just yeah, randomly here? Oh, yes. A big deal <laughs> oh lovely yes come on we'll we'll i'll give you a list of places to check out we'll okay go get barbecue it'll be delicious <laughs> hooray i'm so excited <laughs> excellent yes it's 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 a wonderful time um and and i don't know i like south by better than acl i think because it's like all over the city kind of it's just right. you know it's not like localized in one spot so yeah, yeah. you just be walking around and pop into something and it's like oh <laughs> here's yeah, a new yeah. band i like now like it's it's super cool that's amazing i love that very exciting um and yes you'll have to try some texas pecans while you're out here too so. i definitely will uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right natalie you're almost off the hook here but we always like to wrap up with a top three and perhaps this is the most important question that you'll be asked on this entire podcast <gasps> what are your top three taylor swift albums ranked okay I haven't thought about the answer, but I'm going to think about it now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, let me just, okay, I know what number one is. I'm just ordering the other two in my head. But, um, okay. Uh, number three is Speak Now. Um, because that was the one that I got into. Like, that's, the, that's kind of what she rose with. Because I was like a fan on the first album. And then, like, she became mainstream. And, like, you know when you like an artist when they're little and then they become everyone? And you're kind of a bit sad. Because like, she, yes. like, she was still mine at that time. And then she did Speak Now. And she was kind of everyone's. And I was like, oh, like I lost Taylor. Like, she doesn't belong to me anymore. <laughs> um, but it was really good. And it was still, like, country and cool and honest. And I think it was kind of, like, 
she wrote most of it when she was still a teen so it was kind of relative to me for a long time because I was at that age and that's how I was thinking and it was interesting so Speak Now is number three number two is 1989 because it's the best album I actually think it's the best album but it's not the most sentimental so that's why I haven't put it as number one but number two is 1989 because the production changed like everybody goes every like Everybody you talk to, every producer, every session I've ever been in, everybody references this album. Like <laughs> when we're doing production, they're like, "What do you kind of want it to sound like?" And I don't like I don't think I've ever done a session where we've not kind of at least mentioned it or played a song from it and be like, "Oh, this is a good reference point." Like it comes up so much. It really, really, really changed sort of pop music, especially for like girls and I think sort of girls that come from guitar music as well. Like 1989 brought that 80s production, made it cool. Like. Yes, brilliant. And then number one has to be Fearless because I do think they've got the best songs on it. Like they, they work so well, and even just like on guitar. Um, I don't like. I don't think any song is not strong. And she wrote them all on her own when she was like fourteen, fifteen. It's amazing. It's it's she inspired, pretty much like most of the sort of girls between sort of now, like twenty and maybe. 26 years old all of those artists like from olivia rodrigo to like everyone all these girls like most of us it was taylor that like showed us that we could do this i wanted to do it because we were that age we were like 10 and she was the one doing the thing and now all these artists like everybody i talk to says it all the girls everyone says it and i think it's just so incredible i hope that she knows what she did for music it's such a big deal i'm gonna cry <laughs> oh. <laughs> I feel like she's got to know, right? Like, yeah, she has to know. She, yeah. she showed us what to do. She showed us what we could do. So cool. Uh, That's well, so fantastic. Cool. Well, I've got some. I've got some Taylor queued up to uh, listen to after listening to Milk. So, if people want to find you and learn more about what you've been up to and what you've got coming up, because you're starting the year off strong, and I'm sure more to come in 2023. So where can they find you? Um, so I'm Natalie Shay, spelled Natalie, S-H-A-Y, Shay, Natalie Shay or Natalie Shay Music on pretty much absolutely everything. I'm sure you'll find it. <laughs> Do you have a favorite, uh, a favorite platform out of all the different music ones? Yes. Either, either from a listener perspective or from like an artist perspective? Um, I'm definitely an Instagram girl. I'm on it all day, every day. It's kind of my portfolio is how I see it. Like, it's everything you need to know is on there. I take it very seriously. It's my pride and joy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then we're gonna we're gonna ask because I know a lot of uh, people I've I've spoken to and in, in you know tangential conversations to this show have asked about social media in general and Instagram quite a bit in specific. So, do you have a top Instagram either tip or like thing you like to do that <laughs> that works well um, for you? When people ask me, like, how do you go your Instagram? I kind of give them, like, three little things that I think are a good start. The first thing, I'd make an album on your phone where you sort of position what your upcoming posts are going <clears> to, <throat> like, look like. Like, make sure the album's sort of three per row and position them because I feel like sometimes you can make the colours and see which ones are good next to each other or above each other so you don't kind of get clashing ones and cue them all up like that. That's a good little start. Second thing, go to your Instagram and look at when your followers are most active. And for me, it's kind of around, like, 5 to 6 p.m. I think it or like it's I think it's a three hour window I think it could be like three to something p.m. Um, on certain days as well it tells you which days so try and aim to post while your followers are most active and I think 
they're the best two tips. I don't I don't have a third. <laughs> but start with those. <laughs> they're, they're the two things. Get on with those two and it will make such a difference. I like it. Third is just show up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Awesome. Well, Natalie, this is so much fun. Thank you for taking the time to chat. And we're excited for all the things you've got coming up in 2023. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's so nice to speak to you. Absolutely. And we've got to end with a corny joke, as we yes. always do. Uh, my friends and I actually recently started a band called Duvet. We're a covers only band. Get after oh, it today, people. Good. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's lovely. <laughs> good People Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you were a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. You can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People, Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Ooh.